Thanks very much. Um, who in the 80s can remember Mr. Motivator? Well, I'll do a pause there. <laughs> no, I was you stole my line, Aki. No, I'm not going to dress like him. I did actually see him once, and um, what he was in, in the flesh was the same as what he looked like on telly. But um, there's an element of what I want to do this morning that is about motivation. Um, so for some who love exercise, you might see this as an adrenaline rush. For those that like watching people do exercise, this might be a bit of a challenge. Uh, but before I start, it's, it's obviously to do with what Pastor Steve has been talking about the last three weeks, about a race. And do you know, it's not like you get to January and you think, I think I'll sign up for the marathon this year. And you've got a choice. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, we do not have a choice about the race that's set before us. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian or you want to sit on the fence for a while to see which one works out best for me, you're in a race. So this is aimed at everybody. It's not to the select few who see themselves as super athletes. It's aimed at everybody because you don't have a choice. And um, hearing what Steve was saying about Ukraine, do you know what? My goodness, it hurt. Because there's people dying. And if we don't see that we're in a race that's important, then what about our friends and family and everybody else we come in touch with? Everybody will stand on a podium at some stage, and it's either won as a victor or not. So please, I mean, I know I try when I'm not here to be lighthearted. There might be elements where I might be a little bit the opposite. So please, please excuse. So it's February. I'm probably six weeks late. Why do you go to the gym? Um, some go to the gym because they want to lose weight. Some go to the gym to gain weight, to build up their muscles. Um, some, and I'm referring particularly to women, are trying to get into a particular dress size. Uh, some want to look better. Um, or some are doing it because they've signed up for an event and they need to be fit to not look ridiculous when they take part. So which one, you know, so for example, the London Marathon. So we still got a choice in that to an extent, haven't we? Because you can choose not to go to the gym. But similarly, coming to church, uh, without being, why? Why come to church? Um, is it to get answers to questions that you might have about life? Is it to build relationships? Maybe you've not got many friends and you think, oh, I'll come to church because it's really nice to get to know people. Um, do you want to just find out what this God is and how he might be different to one other God? And why is this church something different to another church? Is it, it's probably less true in the UK, but if you're in Midwest America, is it because you need to tick a box? Because your boss will look down on you if you're not in church on a Sunday morning? Um... Or is it to see it as a deep, intimate opportunity to meet with his body and to meet with God? So you have to make a decision on that, don't you? Um, and do we really want, when we wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, do we judge ourselves about are we conforming to the likeness of his son? That's Romans eight twenty nine. 
I can't answer. I know my answer. It's not always been good, and it's still not what it should be. <laughs> but everybody has an answer to that. So um, uh, there's a key word here, so, so the person knows what so means. There should be a picture going up in a second. So I want to ask you, what race are you going to run? Bearing in mind you don't have a choice. Now, are you seeing life as a marathon where you have to have a lot of stamina? Talking about spiritual stamina. Are we seeing it as a sprint where we think we've got to get somewhere quick and when we've got there, we've arrived? Do we see it as a fun run where it's all happy, jolly, let's all run along and do la 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 and have a tambourine? The 70s, you, you could do that quite easily in all of us. <laughs> do you see it as an egg and spoon race or a sack race? Where, oh, do you know, I'll come along just to keep somebody happy. I'll have a little bit of fun for 10 minutes. Don't actually need to do much training, in all honesty. I can just turn up and, um, you know, if I drop my egg, well, tough. But uh, I can have a go. Now, people, everybody here will have an opinion about what I've said. Some of you will still think, but I'm not in the race. Thank you for your thoughts, but I'm going to be sitting at home watching it. But hopefully, you, you know, whether I get to the end and then, well, whether I get to the end, but whether when I get to the end, um, you change your mind. That's what I hope for. So before I get into the meat, um, I just want to pray, not another pray, a prayer, but to just declare Holy Spirit across every row Every person in this church this morning, Lord, may you speak into their hearts. May you stir something inside them, whether it's to actually take it seriously about who you are, but also to gird their loins with truth and actually start running the race properly. So I just pray that you do that. I can't do that, but Holy Spirit, I just pray you do that over all of us today. Um. We've had two and a bit years, haven't we, of getting distracted. And I'm not belittling COVID. I'm not saying that. But getting distracted. Um, if you live on Facebook, you're either in a complete mess now. Or you're starting to think maybe I should not be on Facebook anymore. Uh, so if I'm not Mr. Motivator and I'm the sergeant in the troop... I haven't got time to mess around. I don't know about you. I'm getting, I'm a bit older than most. I have not got time to mess around with Christianity. Now, you could be 20 years of age and get run over by a bus tomorrow. You haven't got time to mess around with Christianity. So I would like you to really seriously listen and take in what I'm going to say. It's not complicated, but it is challenging, I think. (laughs) So are we running the wrong race? Now, there's a lot of W's there. I could have messed that up. But are we... R's and W's, one ways. But uh, do you know, a few years ago, I was... Um, during one of my midlife crises, I decided to try and get very fit. And uh, one of them was my first triathlon. Um, and my friend had done it a year previous. And he said, oh, you should do it. Because I was doing a lot of running and a bit of swimming and cycling. He said, you should do it. It's, it's easy. Um, he said, I've just done one. He said, there were so many women turned up, there were their shopping bikes. I thought, oh, wow, I ain't going to come last. 
until the following year, where unbeknown to me, it's now on the national circuit of triathlons, and I'm turning up with my bike, and there's people with bikes there where each wheel is about £1,000 each, and there's people representing the UK taking part in the Olympics, so you can guess roughly where I came. The only advantage was the slow ones set off two hours before the fast ones. So I was coming in about the same time as some really, fa- not super famous, but you know what I mean. And I saved my energy for the last 200 yards to look like I actually could take part. So I want, you know, what race are we going to run? And are we pre- prepared for the race? Do we understand? I wasn't. Um, so are we prepared for the right race? So if we go back to Hebrews 12.1... Pastor Steve used Hebrews 12.1 to explain that we should put aside all those things that slow us down. But I want to focus on two parts of that sentence, the opening word and the last few words. So if I read it, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sins which so easily ensnare us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now I'm going to start at the end first. The race is set before us. We don't set the race. It's God that set the race. Now if you choose not to run it, then you're accountable for that. If you choose to run it, then run it well. But... The other side of the coin is it starts with therefore. Now, I know it's the the bloke who said this first in a church meeting probably wowed people. But this is so old now, older than the hills. Why Why is therefore, what's it there for? So... You know, it might be a shock to some if you've never heard that before, but to me it was, um, you know, it, it, there is a definition. So it's in Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 11 that the race is defined, okay? So I just want to go through to Hebrews 10, 22, 23, and then I'm going to extract from Hebrews 11, but not go through all the verses. So Hebrews 10, 22, 23 says, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So we've got to hold fast to something, haven't we? Now Hebrews 11 is the famous chapter, it's all about faith. Um, I always get this opening verse around the wrong way, but you'll know what I mean. It's a bit like the Morecambe and Wise. I've got all the right words, but not necessarily in the right order. But, um, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, of things not seen. Okay? So we know chapter 11 is about faith. But when you look at the storylines of key people, the word faith doesn't actually rise. So if I look at verse 4 of chapter 11... It talks about Abel. Now, he made an acceptable sacrifice to God. His brother didn't. So Abel being included in that hall of faith is because of his sacrifice. Enoch, um, grandson or whatever, roughly, thereabouts, a bit older. But he, in verse 5, he is 
known as somebody who pleased God. So he walked with God. It says in the Bible, he basically, God took him and he didn't see death. So he pleased God. And that put him into Hebrews 11. Noah, in the front of, in the face of apparent stupidity, he was obedient. Um, and he built an ark. Now, I know the modern-day film isn't too bad, actually, but, I mean, um, we all know the ending of that one, don't we? Um, Noah didn't have a Scooby-Doo, in all honesty. He'd never really seen rain, so um, to be obedient to building an ark was something special. So there's, we've got sacrifice, we've got walking and pleasing God, and we've got obedience. You look at Abraham and Sarah. Abraham had to believe for a son, and as did Sarah. And even when he got the son, and the child was probably 12, thereabouts, told to kill him. Now that took obedience and again sacrifice. He was prepared to sacrifice. Jacob, um, one, of the, the, one of the patriarchs, and that's where the, the, all the tribes of Israel came through, on his deathbed, he worshipped God, verse 21 of Hebrews 11. Joseph, we've had the story of Joseph as taken into captivity. He was full of trust and, again, obedience. Moses, uh, verse 25, he was obedient and being prepared to suffer. I heard somebody say yesterday when uh, God said, do such and such, and Moses prophesied over the children of Israel and said, right, stand firm, don't worry. And then it says the next verse, he turns around and he pleads to God and said, why are you pleasing? He's obviously panic-stricken. I've gone and said it now. <laughs> but you are going to do it, aren't you? <laughs> and then, of course, and there is others, but, of course, there's Rahab. Um, she's actually in the genealogy of Jesus. Um, so... She was um, a prostitute in Jericho, and she was obedient and acted in service. She did what the spies asked her to do. So there is a theme running through this that defines the race. And that theme and all of those things are parts of worship. So there's a shocker, isn't it? Oh, no, I thought that was Sunday morning. In fact, if I turn up half an hour late, I can even miss that bit. <laughs> Worship is a lifestyle. So we know what race we're running. It's a marathon, isn't it? So we need to understand it in relation to the rules that God set. And I'll show you some at the end, some, uh, some scriptures that back that up. So the point is this. You can run a race... Um, and I've got examples in a minute. You can run a race and you can still be disqualified from the prize, can't you? Uh, now, I'm not saying you're disqualified for being a Christian. A top athlete who gets disqualified is still a top athlete. He just didn't win the prize he was expecting. So, what can cause us to trip up in our worship? Um, and I'm going to want to go through a few examples, firstly of people who've fallen into that trap. Some of them are slightly funnier than others. And then look at it a bit more serious about us, okay? Because 
you know, I want to explain what worship isn't rather than what it is, because I'll probably just repeat the words that you all know. So I want to show you what it isn't and then see if you are accidentally or whatever falling into the trap. So let's just have a look at a few famous disqualifications in sport over the last century. Um, Ben Johnson, a Canadian sprinter, he, um, top of his game, but he got disqualified because of taking steroids. Try and get the pronunciation right. Boris Onyshenko in 1976, when it was the Soviet Union. Um, He was a fencer, and it was probably the foil. And um, he adapted the tip of his foil that it would record a hit, even when he didn't have a hit. Now, it probably was a bit of a giveaway, because they might only get two hits in a game, and he might have had 150, so they probably thought, there's something not right here. But he got disqualified because he tampered with um, his weapon. A person called Dora Ratjen in 1936. Uh, the Berlin Olympics, um, the ladies' high jump. Now, the Nazi party obviously wanted to use 1936 as high profile. Um, you know, this is the master race and what we're capable of. Um, and Dora won a medal. But a couple of years later, um, Dora was exposed as being horsed, and it wasn't even a woman. So, um, you know, so I don't know how I feel about him. He might have had a gun to his head when he chose to run or, or to take part or not. Um, a man called Fred Laws in 1904 in the marathon. He ran the first nine miles, got a lift for the next 11... <laughs> And then ran the last bit. And I, I guess he didn't realise that they have markers around the track. Um, or they might have seen him getting off the bus, I don't know. But either which way, he, um, you know, he didn't. Uh, there's another one I just can think of, which is in there. There was two twins in fencing. And one of them got injured. And they thought, well, this is all right. Um, we, we wear a mask. I'll just put my brother in. But that fell flat. I think he was um, Puerto Rican. And then, of course, the recent one, um, Camilla Valieva in the recent Winter Olympics. Now, 15-year-old girl. She may not have consciously done anything wrong, but she's engulfed in scandal. So it may not be us consciously doing things wrong, but who do we align ourselves with? Who do we let speak into our lives? So... We're okay with knowing and seeing how we can fall short sometimes. Um, now, I just want to separate. I'll make sure I haven't got it on my piece of paper. No. I want to separate the difference between the race, the goal, and the prize. Now, I could say, I want a gold medal. And you'll go, great, what in? The prize is not the race. I could say, egg and spoon race. And all of a sudden, that potential elation of of your friends will reduce down to, oh, okay. Um, We could, when you do anything in a race or you're preparing, you set yourself goals. 
you think, right, I must be able to run this distance in this time by the end of February. Or I want to be this size by the end of March. Um, now, those are goals. They are not the race. Now, not worrying, not being angry, and not being prideful are goals. It's not the race. You can be perfect, you can be monk-like in your behaviour and do nothing wrong and still run the wrong, the wrong race. I should have picked another topic, shouldn't I? <laughs> so, of course, it's good. And, you know, as has been said the last three weeks, we've got to put aside the things that slow us down. You see, those, those runners that I mentioned, they didn't have excess weight. They were tuned. They hadn't, didn't have anything holding them back but they were running the wrong race, or they were cheating. And in the same for us, are we running the wrong race in our, in our behaviour towards God? So, four examples. First one, you'll say, ha, ha, ha. Doesn't include me, this one. It's pagan worship. I hope, consciously, it doesn't involve anyone particularly anybody sitting on the front row. But if we look at Colossians 3.5, it's where Paul says, put to death, and he he does a list of things to not do. Fornication, covetousness, tying into a carnal nature. And we covered that between Pastor Steve and myself last year. We talked about a carnal nature. But it says at the end of that verse, which is idolatry. So coming into church and living like that is not pleasing to God. You can sing every worship song until the cows come home, but you're not worshipping. You'll be disqualified from the prize. Point two, worship in the wrong form or misdirected worship. That's in Exodus 32, 4 to 5. And that talks about Aaron. Now, Aaron is the high priest. Aaron's gone with Moses through the Red Sea. He's seen all the plagues. He knows God. Yet when Moses goes up to the top of the mountain... And he's probably seeing clouds and thunder and lightning and he thinks, oh my goodness. He knew God. But he said, right, give us all your jewellery, melt it down, we'll make a golden calf. Now you think, well I won't. I'm not going to do something like that. But all it is is bringing God down to a level that you can understand. That's all it is. And how much do we see on Facebook now where people are trying to redefine God so they can understand him? It's scary. And one day we're all going to stand before God and he's either going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's not. <laughs> now, it's not about running. The, see, some people may be running a sprint because there is a story in the Bible about the workers in the field. Some started in the morning, some at lunchtime, some mid-afternoon, some an hour before the end, and they all got the same reward. So it's not about, oh, no, I'm not really a Christian, and I'm in my whatever years. 
if I'd started when I was 20, maybe I could have attained the prize. You could have been a Christian for 20, 30 years and messed about. It doesn't matter. You may have to run a sprint. (laughs) But um, it may be longer than, you, you might be around a bit longer than you think. I mean, with the way the world is today, and it's not scaremongering, the return of the Lord. Now, I know Paul and the early apostles and that were expecting Jesus to come back quick. And then Paul, a little bit later, was starting to think maybe not straight away. He may not have figured on 2,000 years, um, but I don't want to get into a chat about end time stuff, but we haven't got time to mess around. So there's two. Um, so just, I mean, this is an easy one, point two, reducing God down to a level we understand. There may be something in the Bible that you think, I, I can't see that's God. He wouldn't say something like that. I'll make another God. It's still Jesus. But I'll make him a little bit different because he now fits my image of him. It's a dangerous game. Because that's worship. Got a bit quiet now, isn't it? <laughs> Uh-oh, right. Uh, number three, worship him the way we want to. Um, turning up with a hangover on a Sunday morning. Now, I can't stop people turning up on a Sunday morning, but if we're on stage, not so good. Um, but if we look at Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, there's a story of uh, two priests um, and this is near the beginning of um, the priestly dynasties. Um, it's uh, a man named Nadab, and I think it's his brother, Abihu, uh, that were had to tend. In the, in the tabernacle, there are two altars. There is the brazen altar in the outer court, which is where all the sacrifices are done, so it's messy. But that is... That's what Jesus did. It was messy, wasn't it? And then in the holy place, not the holy of holies, but in the holy place, there were three instruments, the showbread, the candle, the menorah, and there was the golden altar. And on the golden altar was where the incense was put onto the coals, and obviously an aroma went up, and it was perpetual. So they had to keep on stoking it um, to make an acceptable aroma towards God. Now, that's our worship as well, isn't it? Are we an acceptable aroma to God? Now, these two men, they should, and although it's not explicitly said, it's probable that they should have taken the coals from the brazen altar because worship is based on what Christ did. It's the sacrifice paid. And it's said they brought strange fire. So the chances are they were running a bit late and thought, look, we've just had our bowl of porridge let's take the coal from our campfire coal is coal put it on there and they were struck dead now it's interesting you know with the establishment of the first tabernacle and the establishment of the second tabernacle which is the holy spirit living within us the first misdemeanors were both resulted in death abihu is it abihu those two plus Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. They lied. 
God does not mess around with worship. So you think, well, that's okay. I'm still getting to heaven. What do you do? You want to have a prize? And if you're not a Christian, you've got to run the race. You may choose to sit in the stocks and not actually run it, but you're still going to be judged on how you ran it. Third one, um, uh, the other one is Uzziah. Uzzah, Uzzah. He's in uh, 2 Samuel 6, 3 to 7. Now God had said the Ark of the Covenant was to be put. There was two poles that went through hooks or eyes, which the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant on. That was the prescribed way. That's what happened when they crossed over the Jordan. And the beginning of this, they said they had a new cart. Now, thankfully, it was a new cart. Very thoughtful, really, getting a new cart to put God's presence on. But the ox that was pulling it stumbled, and this man leaned forward to stop the ark from falling off. And he was killed. See, God didn't want it on a cart. (laughs) He wants it on our shoulders. He wants his presence on our shoulders. So we think, well, that's okay. We did our best. No. That's our definition of best. God sets the race. And the hardest one. So if you haven't fallen into one of those three categories... Um, you may well fall into the fourth one. Unless you are, you've arrived. You're just waiting in a queue by the podium and you think, I can see it shining now. The fourth one is wrong attitude. Now the, the book of Malachi, chapter one particularly, uh, God does a bit of a tirade through Malachi about not being very happy I guess it's a bit like coming home after work and the kids have wrecked the house it's not a oh dear what would you like for tea There's, there may be a tirade of discussion going on beforehand and in verse 10 he says in the last part of verse 10 I have no pleasure in you says the Lord of hosts nor will I, will I accept an offering from your hand they went through the motions they did everything right Outwardly, but they stank inwardly. Now, we've all done that to an extent because we're growing. We may not have consciously, but, you know, distractions again. Even when Steve preaches and it's quiet, it's never quite this long. (laughs) So, (laughs) some examples of wrong worship... Okay, and um, we're called to run a race which is worship-based, prayer and worship-based. Because when you come into his presence, you pray, don't you? Um, And we're meant to ascribe glory and honor to him. He created us in his image, and he's given us glory. He's proud of the human race because it's in his image. And Satan has tried to wreck it. So we should be reflecting his glory. And we do that through worship. So you can't worship somebody you don't know. 
I know people think they can because they look on Pop Idol and they go, oh no, but they really just want to be like them, really. Uh, because the person who gets up on stage with 20,000 people or 40,000 people at Wembley says, I love you all, I think they're lying. <laughs> they like the adoration. Um, but if somebody came up, like, uh, I can't remember the detail, but there was a Brit Awards years ago, wasn't there, where Michael Jackson was on, and somebody came on stage and misbehaved because he was fed up with the charade that was going on. Now, if we did that to one of these, you know, you would be hoofed off stage in no time at all, wouldn't you? Wouldn't be, oh, but I love them. You know, rub their head, leave them alone. They didn't mean that, no. So God set this, this race for us. And any race that's worth running has a cost, doesn't it? If you can take part... Now, I I might have an exception here, Jenny. I mean, Jenny just decides... Is she sitting there? Yes, she is. It's a compliment, Jenny. It's not an insult. Jenny just decides, I think I'll run a a marathon or something. And then, you know, a couple of weeks. And then off she goes. And, oh, I did a really good time. You know, there are people who are a little bit different. Positively. (laughs) Positively, Jenny. I'm proud of you. But for most of us, we think about it for 10 years before we even sign up. <laughs> so it should cost, and the cost is in relationship. So how are we running the race through the relationship we have with God? So I just want to, I'm coming to an end. Good timing, actually. More luck than judgment. Um, Psalm 91, verse 1, and I've said this before, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Do we dwell, do we live in the secret place? Or do we visit once a blue moon? John 4, 23 to 24, But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. You can't worship by human means. If you're a Christian and you don't realize you're a spirit being that communes with God through your spirit, you need to sort that. It's not about works. You can't be a better Christian because you signed up to every job in the church. That's not given a get-out clause, but you don't become a better Christian because of it. It's about operating in spirit and in truth. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That word service can also be translated worship. A living sacrifice. Um, You know, when you think of Jesus, this is a deviation for a minute. He was the Lamb of God, yes? All the lambs that got sacrificed had their throat cut. The death took a minute. Now, if Jesus was just representing mankind being the lamb, why was he ripped apart? Because he had to pay the price for the sin for all time. And as we know, by his stripes we are healed. 
His stripes were there for sickness. But how are we worshipping God? How do we represent him? Um, last one, Psalm 29.2. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holy about what we think. Holy about what we do. And holy about where we go. And holy about what keys we press on computers and on our smartphones. So, what is it all about then? It's about prayer and worship. Now you think, he's taken a heck of a long time to get to the punchline, and and it's it, that's it. If you can't do that, you can't run the race, because you're not building a relationship with God, and he's your coach. Now, there's opportunity, and this is a selling point. There is an opportunity. Obviously, personally, you have to do this. It's not event-driven. It's personal-driven in your heart. A few weeks ago, we had a worship night. It was a a worship night, I think I was referring to. Yeah, it was. And um, I was speaking to a lady sitting over there, and I said, do you know what? There's me here, but I'm on the drums. There's Gerard is here, but he's on the desk. And there's Pastor Steve here, but he's the pastor. Everybody else was a woman. Now, if that was the seventh worship night, and every other time the place was stacked with men, I have not got a point. (laughs) I don't need to say any more about that, do I? We had a a ladies' prayer night a couple of weeks back. Now, you know, I honour women because they're diligent and they're honourable and they're faithful. Not saying men are rubbish, but I'm just saying particularly women, uh, diligent, honourable. They prayed from 9, 10 at night through to 5 in the morning on a Friday night. Now, these are aspects. We can't all do the same things, but how are we expressing our worship to God? So I want to end with just three questions. Um, And it relates to the three of the five races, three aspects. Are we running a professional race with a goal and a prize at stake that is worth having? And that must be aimed at Christians because non-Christians cannot worship God. I don't care what a church says on its placard outside, come and worship with us today. Worship is an intimate relationship with the Father. And if you don't know him, you can say all the right things, but you cannot worship. So to the Christians here who know who they are, who want to run the race, and they're desperate to push aside all the things that are slowing us down and the confusion and the distractions... Start taking prayer and worship serious. I include myself. I'm not standing here as the... I mean, my daughter shames me. So for people who want to run the race, make sure you do. For the ones who think it's a good idea, it's a fun run. If I jump out here and again and put a... Um, a uh, a bear outfit on and nobody actually knows who it is inside 
When you get your reward, what's it going to be? And again, that's Christians, maybe. Maybe there's people who are not Christians who want to run a fun run. There's others that think it's all a big joke, so I'll do a sack race and an egg and spoon race. Now, I hope that's not Christians. <laughs> so I'm challenging the three groups of people, those that have never made a commitment to God. You're in the race whether you like it or not. And the sooner you get to know the creator of the universe and the one who loves you, the better for you. <laughs> and then you can influence all your friends and family. For the Christian who thinks I've always tomorrow, I'm still wants to, I'd still rather watch it on telly. You've got to shake yourself down and get out. Because there's no time. And for the Christian who's desperate to run the race, but you're not necessarily sure what the best training regime, regime is, then get involved. I mean, if you don't understand worship, then speak to people who do. So that's it. I mean, I've spent an age talking and ended up on a very, it, you know, it went up for the first Mr. Motivator for the first two minutes, and then it's like, it's been a bit different since, isn't it? But I'm hoping, my only desire is that it challenges you. I'm not here for anybody to say, thank you, Mark, what a lovely thing, because I don't really care. I don't think I've said anything wrong, but I do want you to run a race, and I want to be with you when you come in and we do a high five. That's what I want. And be proud. So I'm just challenging you now. If, if um, you want to speak to myself or any of the leadership team or Pastor Steve at the end, please do so. Uh, because this is important. But the reward is massive. The reward on, this, on earth is massive. When you see somebody healed from a sickness... That's precious. But don't think you can see that if you can't even be bothered to run the race. So, in quietness and sobriety, I will now exit the stage. <laughs> Pass over to Pastor Steve.